thankful once again that we have so many here, and I know you'll be blessed. And so let's bow our heads. Dear God, I pray that you'll bless Pastor Um as he speaks to us again. We want to be rebuilt through your grace and through your Holy Spirit, through him in thy name. Amen. 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 Good afternoon, everyone. We have a quite a bit to cover because, um, you know, as you might have noticed, that there's a lot to talk about in terms of the kind of healing that God wants to bring in our lives on the level of our minds. And as we have mentioned, as much as there's brokenness in our emotions, which is in a limbic system, right? We talked about yesterday. As much as there has been a damage been done in our brain in terms of our uh, emotional brain, and therefore, when our emotion is wounded, then our thought patterns are wounded as well, right? So all of those woundedness and brokenness are on an unconscious level. And then it's almost, like I said, it's almost automatic. You know what I mean? We don't have to think certain way. We just like automatically think certain way and then act certain way and then feel certain way. And, and that's what makes it very, very difficult. And so then what we're called to do, which is not an easy thing to do, is to bring the stuff that are on an you know, unconscious level to the what? Conscious level. Stuff that we may not be aware of, we need to bring it to an awareness in our lives. And that's why eating healthy, eating well is very important. Because if our minds are dulled by eating ramen all the time, or <laughs> you know, by, by eating kimchi all the time, you know, if our minds are dulled, then we're not going to be able to think straight. You know, the problem with the medications, you know, some of you may have to take medications. But unfortunate thing is that some of the issues with medication, like you know, depression, medi all kinds of medications. I'm not against of medication in terms of you know what it can do for our body. Um, you know, if you have a choice between bad and worse, you know, you have to choose medicine sometime, and you have to live with that. But the problem with medication is that sometimes it 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 does you know it, the side effect is like we can't think straight. And actually, you know, it kind of works for some people because, you know, some people think too much. Therefore, medication comes in and then makes them not to think too much. But then that's not, that's not the problem, you know. Problem is that, you know, when the medication comes in in such a way that not only we're not able to think straight, but our mind is not functioning well then really just really you become you be in a very debilitating kind of situation and that's really really disheartening for me to witness especially in the lives of young people you know what i mean and so then our goal ultimately is to get on a journey where we will be from we will be free from medication of course i'm not a doctor don't quote me for it Pastor told me to, to take off the medication. Then, then, you know what I mean? Don't quote me for it. You know, please contextualize it, okay? And so we got to use our mind. And therefore, therefore, if you don't like to study, if you don't like to study, you're in trouble. <laughs> you know, somebody told me that, I, can I study the Bible by just watching the video on the, about the Bible? 
then you can only go so far. We are the people of the books, and God wants to come into the realm of our mind in such a way that our thoughts and minds would be what? Captured by the thoughts of God's Word. Amen? Amen. God's Word is very, very thoughtful. How many ladies are very thoughtful? Right? Ladies are so thoughtful that God's like going crazy, right? <laughs> it's like, I can't catch up with you. You think too much, you know? And then women are, women's been thinking all night, all day. You know, we're going to talk about that tomorrow. Some ladies can go on thinking without sleeping for the next 10 years and still function okay. I mean, it's amazing. If I lose sleep one night, then I collapse. So women are given with an amazing, amazing ability to, 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 you know, recover and restore, but we cannot abuse it, right? And so the trouble for me conducting this class, I must tell you, trouble for me as I continue to go on with this class is that it's like my struggle is like, oh, man, I need to talk about the theology of self-care, but I have no time for it. <laughs> oh, I need to talk about that. I need to talk about this. So there's so much to cover, and I can only do so much. And I'm hoping, I'm hoping it is not about me. I'm hoping that this kind of class will be a beginning of something that God wants to do with all of us. Amen. We have a discipleship center. We have a place where in Barren Spring where we can host like 40 people comfortably. And it has not been used well. And I'm willing to open up my center on weekends. And I want to really deal with real people with real issues. And then, and then allow the gospel of Jesus Christ to really bring transformation in our lives. Amen? Amen. Amen. And so I want to do that. And I've been trained to do it. I wish my wife would be here. She trained me. <laughs> and man, her training was not easy. It was tough. I almost wanted to leave <laughs> that training program, you know? Because I didn't know that I signed up for it. And you didn't know that the automatically, you know, with marriage, you automatically signed up for it. <laughs> you didn't know that, right? Man, it was a very tough training, you know? So it was it's like after I finished my sermon, I was coming home feeling bad. You know, I like, oh, I, I messed up, you know? And then my wife goes, honey, uh, you have quite a bit of improvement to make. And <laughs> And I'm going to be generous to you. I'm going to be uh, gracious to you. And you have 20 things to work on. <laughs> my wife never, ever gets satisfied with my sermons, even though she gets blessed. And so, you know, that's a blessing. That's a blessing. Because if I took it as a, as a uh, sign of her not respecting me, and then my, my low self-esteem kicked in and said, oh, tch, this woman, like, why don't you go and preach to what it feels like? <laughs> and then I came to a point one day, I said to myself, you know what? I'm going to be a man. 
in relationship. I may be short, but I'm going to be a real man <laughs> in relationship. Good things come in small packages. So, so anyway, I, said, I may be, you know, I may, <laughs> I'm a man, I want to be a man, and you know what it means to be a man? You know what it means to be a man? Someone can tell me what it means to be a man? Huh? And man is, a, if you're a man, and if you're man enough, and man enough to embrace criticism. Constructive criticism without taking it personal. Uh huh. If you have to raise your voice, if you have to uh, show yourself, you know, being macho, you're not a real man. If you have to like really like threaten somebody else, you're not a real man. Real man is soft and quiet, and and then and yet and yet soft and yet firm, at the same time. So I came to realize that for me to embrace what my wife had to say about the way God allowed her to come into my life to improve me, man, I, I, I don't need to be her enemies. <laughs> and so one day I came to my life, I came to realize that, man, this is not an enemy that I sleep, who I'm sleeping with, right? And, uh, and then the, somebody says that, you know, somebody's about to get married and somebody wrote a, a card and said, love your enemy. <laughs> And I came to a point in my life where I came to realize that she's not my enemy. She's not out there to kill me. She's not out there to destroy me. She's not out there to make my life miserable. We are, we are a team. She can be my coach. And she speaks English better than me. She doesn't have kimchi sound in her language. <laughs> so you're learning to be a team. Husband and wife. You learn to be a team. Don't fight each other. Fight with yourself. That's a greater fight to fight. Amen? Amen? There's so much to talk about, but that's the problem. <laughs> okay. In surrendering our lives to God, we reap great advantages, for we have weaknesses of character. As we all have, we unite ourselves to one who is mighty to save our ignorance. Think about this. You know what? It is wise. It is, you become instantaneously wise when you and I come to realize, you know what? I am ignorant. Then you become instantly wise. Amen? Amen. How many of you, how many of you want to be instantaneously, instantaneously to be wise? How many of you want to be instantaneously to be wise? Okay, say to somebody else next to you, you know what, I'm really ignorant. Say, say that. Okay, <laughs> let's, use a, let's use a real language. Let's use a real language. Um, I, I, can be, I can be pretty stupid. Say that to each other. And then, one more thing. <laughs> and sometimes, sometimes I do some stupid things. Say to each other. And then say this one more time. One more time. Not only I'm ignorant, I'm insisting on my ignorance. 
And one more word. <laughs> and I am so, one more word. I am so good at persuading others to buy into my ignorance. Whoa. You know what I mean? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> then, you know what we just did? What we just did was the fact that not only we're ignorant, if you persist in ignorance, and if you keep on, you know, developing your tactics on, you know, persuading others for your ignorance, then we are growing in our ignorance. Whatever you repeat, you grow with it. So that's how, that's how I got so good being spanked. My father spanked me. I said, but 10 spanking, not, it's not working. You just have to, you have to, because I got good at it. I built a resistance for it. And then my father, had, you, know, you know what I'm saying? It gets worse and worse. That's a problem with fighting. That's a problem with arguing. And that's a problem with any kinds of unhealthy patterns in our lives. The more you use it, the more we get good at it, the more we get good at it, the more it becomes destructive and the impact that it has on us can be detrimental. So my question this afternoon as we begin our conversation, what kind of patterns are you willing to grow in your life? Who has a choice? Who has a choice? Not even God has a choice. You have a choice. I have a choice. I don't like to use the word decision. You know, I'm very careful about not using the word decision. Because decision has to do with your circumstances, what's out there. You're, you're deciding between what's out there you have. But choice, choice, while decision has to do with your realm of your you know, life, that you're surrounded by, what you see, what you feel, you know, what you deal with, your circumstances and happenings and all that. But once you begin to shift your gear from decision-making to a choice-making, then on the level of choice, you're beginning to create something that doesn't even, doesn't even it doesn't seem to, even, even though it may not be there, you can create it. Choice is a realm of creation. So make sure that you say to yourself, I choose to create love in my relationship with my spouse. Amen? Amen. I choose to create love. You have that power of choice. And it's something that we can do together. Our ignorance will be united to infinite wisdom. Our frailty to enduring might. And like Jacob, we may each become a prince with, a prince with God, connected with the Lord uh, God of Israel. We shall have power from above, which will enable us to be overcomers. Amen? This is an amazing, amazing quotation. I can just end with this quotation today. 
There's just so much there. And by the impartation of divine love, we shall find access to the hearts of men. We shall have fastened our trembling grasp upon the throne of the infinite. In other words, you know, the more you get to know God, the more you get to know God, the more you become heart to heart with God. And that's the only way God wants to meet you. God hates superficiality. God hates facade. God hates masking. God has hates us being unreal. And that's why only way to meet God is to meet God in the sauna of life. <laughs> Did I pronounce it right? I sound kind of weird to me. I'm used to saying sauna, you know? Anyway, you see, only way to meet God is to meet God in a place of nakedness. God is a naked God for a naked people. I mean, don't quote me wrong in the wrong way. God is attracted to the raw material, if you know what I'm talking about. God likes it raw. God likes it organic. No pesticide, nothing else. Sugar coat or nothing. Just real stuff that you are. Amen? And then when you get in touch with that heart to God, what happens is that you know how to get in touch with people heart to heart. That's, uh, that's an amazing, amazing, that's art of arts. Being able to come in touch with people heart to heart. You know how amazing that is? When I talk to my wife, you know, for 30 minutes, and we become heart to heart, it's almost like, bring me tears. Like, oh, whoa. This is so amazing. Is, my heart starting to hurt in a different way. So precious. Heart to heart. When people come to us for counseling, come to us for prayer, and you just talk to them like a couple of minutes, and then Richard's like joined in already. Whoa, I've never seen these people. You don't even need to speak in English to connect. But when Christ comes into your heart in such a way that your heart is touched and be nourished and swell with love, then it is going to be like dynamite. It's going to attract and draw the hearts of people unto you. Have you ever seen, you know, meet people that, 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 who takes the energy out of you? It's like, as soon as you even, you even think about that person, and just energy is already out. <laughs> but we don't even know that we are that kind of people too sometimes. Have mercy. <laughs> Christ was so much in touch with God, heart to heart. There's an energy coming out of Jesus, so much so that just to be even closer to Jesus allowed people to be healed. Amen? Amen. God created you and I with that kind of energy. Amen? Amen. Don't have time to finish, so I want you to take a look at this. Grace of God came. We're going to talk about the grace of God, how it came in a place of what? Brokenness. Case of, in a place of weakness. 
The grace of God came in a place where, let's read it together. Grace of God came in a place where what? We most needing it while we least deserving it. Isn't that amazing? We most needing it and yet what? We least deserve it. And if someone come up to me and say, hey, pastor, you don't know me. I don't deserve God's grace. Then what do you say? Well, that's the only way to receive God's grace. I know for sure you receive it because it is for those who may not deserve it and yet needing it. And God's grace and God's, the gospel of Jesus Christ comes to us in, in a paradoxical way. When we least deserve it, most needing it, and therefore it is here with us. Um, we talked about three kinds of uh, brokennesses. Do you remember? Three brokennesses, three Bs. Do you remember? First one is what? Bankruptcy. Yeah, you can cheat on it. Okay, first one is bankruptcy. And second one is what? Wow, you guys know so well. Okay, bondages. And then third one is what? Blindness. I want you to really remember this. These are really powerful constructs. You know what's so amazing is that in the book of John, in the book of John, Jesus addresses to, to these specific spiritual conditions that we bring to God. That's amazing. Which chapter in the book of John Jesus dealt with the issue of bankruptcy, the poverty and weaknesses? Which chapter, you remember? I don't want to spend too much time. Chapter what is the chapter where Jesus fed 5,000 people? Chapter 6. Chapter 6. Yeah, 6 and 5, you know, go together, 6 and 5. Chapter 6, Jesus fed 5,000 people. And then he says, what? I am the what? Bread of life. If you were to be Korean, I am the brown rice of life. And when I went to Africa, Ethiopia, you know, they don't eat brown rice and they're eating everything with this is Zara, Zara. You know, it's like a pancake covering, kind of fermented one. Everyone eats with that. And so when I went to Africa, Ethiopia, and I said, I paraphrase it. I said, I am the Zara of life. And they were like going crazy. And it isn't amazing that in our place of bankruptcy, in our place of being out of resources, in our place of weaknesses and brokenness, and, and in that place where all the resources are exhausted, what we need to replenish ourselves, what we need to get out of this bank, state of bankruptcy is the what? Word of God. Word of God. We need to let the Word of God to feed us in a way that we get out of this state of bankruptcy. And that's amazing. Uh, we don't have time to dwell on that. And the second thing is a bondage. What is the ultimate form of bondage that a human being can experience in life? What is it? Death, right? When you die, what happened? Nobody can rescue it. When you die... You know, the way you die, that's the way you're going to remain. You know, if you die like this, then it's going to be really hard for anybody to, you know, take it back here. You almost have to what? Break it. It's a bondage. Whatever the way you die, you stay with it. No one can take you out of it. And therefore, ultimate form of bondage is death. And then any 
any way that, it, that are not of God leading us to a life of what? Death. Death. We need to take sin seriously in that way. And so, what we, where do you find the bondage in the book of John? John chapter 11. Jesus what? Brought Lazarus out of death. So Jesus brought Lazarus out of bondage by telling us, by doing that, Jesus is telling you and me that he can rescue you from whatever the bondage we may be in. Amen? Amen. Whether it be alcohol addiction, drug addiction, whether it be uh, the, the control freak. How many of you are control freak? Don't raise your hand. You don't have to raise your hand. Yeah. You have to control everything about everybody around you. Actually, those who are in a place of control, sometimes, not all the time, they tend to be out of control. Bondage. I am the resurrection. Jesus can rescue us from the point of bondage. And then how about the blindness? John chapter 9. It looks like eyes. John chapter 9. I am the light of the world. You know? So with that, let's continue. Now we're going to talk about something that's very, very important. Why in the world you and I are needing to, to be rebirthed? Why do we need to be born again? Can someone tell me why we need to be born again according to the Bible? Yes, and then Maurice Vendon says something really powerful. He said, you know, we need to be born again because there's something wrong with our first birth. <laughs> because you and I needing to be what? Reparented, right? And therefore, we need to be born again because first birth brings so much woundedness and death in our lives, even though we cannot go back to our childhood, but in a way, God allow us to go back. Isn't that amazing? We can start all over again in Christ. How many of you really appreciate that? Amen? How many of you, like, when my daughter was, like, 16 years old, I look at her as I was driving, I was looking at her, she's grown up, I said, wow, time has gone by so fast. And I said, hey, you have grown up. And I thought she was going to say, yeah, I'm grown up, Dad, you know, buy me a car. <laughs> but instead, instead, her little child came out right on that moment. And then she said, Dad, I don't want to grow up. <laughs> you know what I mean? There's a little girl and a little boy inside of us, right? We don't want to grow up. Because, because especially when we feel like we lost our childhood. And we're going to talk about that. We lost our childhood in a way that, that there is a huge loss. That's a loss. That we get saddened and we get, we get angry about that. And let's just briefly talk about this, this whole process of you know, rebirth, which is really amazing to me. You remember, you remember the chart that I gave you? It is only in that context of we identity, we discover who I am, right? And therefore, since we have been so much affected by our parents in a way that is detrimental sometimes, we need to reparent it by another we identity with Jesus and Him being our Heavenly Father and Lord. And then we and I get to be reparented by Jesus and the Holy Spirit. Amen? Yeah. So there's a new life in Christ. So, 
Book of John, just to make it very simple, Book of John talks about two kinds of birth, okay? The natural birth you and I have is a birth that are from below. So John chapter 1, verse 13 talks about born from above. In the early onset of the book of John, John tells us that since you and I are born from below by, by husband's will, by human will, by human passion and, and all that, and then our first birth from below brought so much woundedness in our lives, John tells us we need to be born again from what? Above. Above. Amen? And that's amazing. And then John chapter 3, 5 tells us, born of a water and spirit. And John chapter 3, verse 7 is that you must be born again, born of water. And so the way we are going to be born again is to be born again by the Holy Spirit. And you all know the Holy Spirit doesn't come until the Holy Spirit uses the Word of God to give us an understanding and power to overcome what we cannot overcome. And John chapter 7, verse 38, Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, streams of living water will flow from what? Within. Wow, this is amazing, amazing promise. In that Holy Spirit, you know, water and the Spirit is talking about Holy Spirit here. And isn't it interesting that when you and I are born in mother's womb, what were we surrounded by? water what were we doing in the water growing. growing we were swimming we were swimming for nine months so we all supposed to know how to swim no just kidding <laughs> okay and, and then the jesus says that he's gonna use the water of the holy spirit water of the holy spirit to bring us a new birth in christ amen yeah and it's a beautiful, beautiful picture. And then Jesus says that when you are born again by the water of the Holy Spirit, and then something's going to happen in your belly, you know what? I'm not a scientist, but study shows that so many valuable hormones, get this, even the, even the like uh, endorphins and so many valuable hormones, especially for women as well, are created not in the brain, like some of the 90% of some of the you know, hormones gets created in the what? Valley. Wow. That's why eating well, eating healthy, and when you eat, there is no point of eating healthy food like grudgingly. <laughs> you know what I mean? And so when you eat healthy, organic food, thank God for it, and then praise God for it. You know, my mom is really helping out, and then she's been eating like organic. She's an organic lady. And to be honest with you, for the, for the first, like when she started two years ago, for the first one year, I was like, Jewel, this is too hardcore. This training, I'm not ready for it. <laughs> So I, I made my own Korean, you know, soup and all kinds of things. And then, so she had to cook two meals. And sometimes, you know, I'm cooking for my own meal. And then I came to realize this is not right. Because I'm not really fully in the training this way. So I said to myself, you know what? I'm going to eat whatever she eats because that's healthy for me. You know what I'm saying? And something amazing happened is that when you, when you allow the Holy Spirit come through the Word of God, God does something in our gut level. Our guts gets changed. Amen? Amen. 
So much so that God begins to create amazing, amazing hormones that are just making us not only happy and lively and joyous and so much energy. Man, God touches our guts when our guts and our stomach has been the source of decay and source of human desire and passion, now God uses it as a way of what? Building us up in a new way. Then it becomes a source for real strength and harmony and restoration. Amen? Amen. Wow, God wants to touch your gut <laughs> on a gut level. <laughs> Amen? It is scientific. The word of God is so scientific. And that's a, whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, streams of living water will flow from within. And you know what? The tense, original tense for that text is ongoing hour. It's the tense, which means you don't have to know all the details, which means that the, the, the flow of living water will, will, will come out, flow out, and then it is coming out and it will continue to welling up within and then it will continue to come out. Amen? That's why you and I better need to be so interested in this rebirth process that the Creator wants to bring into our lives. It is amazing. It is something that we all need. John chapter 7, verse 9, he made it very clear. By this he meant the what? By this he meant the what? Spirit, whom those who believed in him were later to receive. This is what it is. The word of God and the Holy Spirit coming together in a Christian community, searching for God together. God is going to transform our lives from even on a hormonal level. Do you know that we cannot be sanctified unless God changes our hormones? When your hormones are raising, are we able to be holy? No. We get crazy. When hormones are messed up in our lives, you know, we become crazy. We can, that, that's why drugs are so powerful. It changes the way our hormones work. And then we become someone that we do not even know. We, become, we can become demonic. John chapter 7, verse 23, you are from below, I am from above, you are of this world, I am not of this world. Amen? Amen? How many of you desire today, you know, asking God, Lord, I'm from down below. You want to give me the life from above. I want that in my life so bad. How many of you? Amen? I want that in my life. I want to be born again. Amen? Amen. Reparented by the power of the Holy Spirit. This is an amazing text. Three must statements in the book of John. There are three must statements in the book of John that you find. First is John chapter 3 uh, verse 7. I'm sorry, this is a mistake. John chapter 3 verse 7. And then second must statement is found in John chapter 3 verse 14. And then third one is John chapter 3 verse 30. And first he says, Jesus says, you must be born again. Being religious is not about you must be born again. So how must, how must, we, how much, how much we need to be born again? How much must is must? You know what I mean? There's a guy who's been preaching about this sermon of our need to be born again for one year. 
people got so fed up with him and they almost wanted to you know, just fire him. And so they created a committee. One of the representatives went to him and then asked him, hey, pastor, you've been preaching about, you know, John chapter three, verse seven for the past one years. And I want to ask you how long you're going to preach that sermon. And he said, until you become born again. <laughs> until you're born again, I'm going to keep preaching that sermon. So this is the key. Human dysfunction and the level of woundedness has gone so deep. We studied about that Monday and Tuesday. You know, it reaches from the day we are born, conceived in mother's womb. And therefore, therefore, there is no healing possible through, you know, psychological intervention, through human counseling. Now, I'm not, dis, you know, denying all the needs of, the, of those things, but fundamentally, fundamentally, we are flawed in such a way, the level of it, intensity of it, so goes so deep, and there is no humanity that can save us and allow us to experience transformation. Amen? Human education can only modify us, but transformation comes from above. And Christ is making that available readily for all of us. Amen? You know what? I never ever experienced this kind of, you know, inward working of the Holy Spirit until I turned 20 years of my age. You know, I grew up as PK and I grew up as perfect kids and all that. And then, and then, and then I... <laughs> <laughs> and then my friends and I, my friends and I, we decided to fast. We decided to fast for one week. Because, because all of a sudden it dawned on me that we're about to graduate. We're going to go out and be a pastor. What if someone come to me and say, hey, pastor, how do you, how do you do fasting? Well, I never done it in my life, but the book says. <laughs> it doesn't sound right. So I said, I got to experience it for my professional needs. <laughs> So with two of my friends, two of my friends, three of us went to uh, you know, a place called Deer Mountain in Korea. Found out that there is no deer in that mountain, but I don't know why they call it Deer Mountain. And we went there, and then three of us were there because we were trying to keep an eye on each other so that no one would eat anything, right? <laughs> and the funny thing was that, funny thing was that we only brought two things. I don't know why, but we only brought two things. One is oranges. And then the other one is the kimchi soup. <laughs> Somebody says that after fasting, you drink kimchi soup, it's going to allow your cells to come alive in a way that is just unbelievable. So we brought kimchi soup and then oranges. First day was no problem. Second day was the hardest. I was lying down, trying to read the Bible. Only thing I could think about was food. <laughs> and I happened to go to the manager's house to draw some water, and guess what? They were making dinner. <laughs> the smell of rice was like so heavenly. And I was looking around, and I was almost tempted to scoop a little bit. But, you know, I knew that angels are there. I know, I know that my friends can come in and, you know, really put me in jail, you know. And so I said, okay, I'm, gonna not, I'm not going to eat that. And then from the third day, amazing thing began to happen. 
We were just drinking waters. I'm, we're in our 20s. Can you believe that? And I started to drink waters, and then we drink lots of water. But amazing thing was that it may, it may be just kind of gross to think about, but even though I didn't eat anything, only thing I'd been drinking was water. I'd been detoxing everything. But bad, bad odor and smell like a sewage. Totally smell like sewage coming out of my body and then coming up. Even if, even if I, you know, take the brush and everything, brushing didn't work. The, for, for third day, I mean, I was like feeling yucky. And then I came to realize that what's not going in, what comes out of you. And then amazing thing happened in that by the time we got to the end of the third day, we had a hard time walking. So can you imagine each of us, you know, relying on the cane? <laughs> we got these branches, and we were relying on it. We're trying to go up the ladder, which was only like 15, 20 ladders, and it was not high. We went up. By the time I got up there, Holy Spirit hit me so hard that I knew it was working of the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit started to tell me, Son, you are so dependent on food, three meals a day. You are so dependent on me, and yet you think that you are somebody, somebody. You're so, you've been so proud. Humble yourself before the Lord. And then by the time I got up there, Holy Spirit just totally over, overcame me, and I had to just like prostrate it before God. God, I'm a sinner before God. Please help me. And then amazing thing happened in that I thought God was going to reveal some real secret dark sins in my life right on that moment. But God began to show my life in like a panoramic way from beginning till now. Well, 20 years is a short time, but <laughs> there was a quite a bit that went on and then, and then nothing sticks with me. But the only thing that stuck with me was this. And then I had to repent for it. I thought God was going to reveal something huge sin in my life. But you know what? I came to realize that there was no such thing as small sins in my life. Because the stuff that God revealed to me was the way I treated my sister. Because when she made, like, I would bring my friends, and you know, I'm Korean. Back, back then, I was more Korean, you know what I mean? And back then, I would not even go into the kitchen, you know, that kind of thing. So I would, like, order my sister when I bring my couple of my friends, and, like, ten of my friends, hey, sister, make ramen for us. She would make ramen for ten people. That's a lot of ramen to make. And by the time ramen comes to us, it's already, like, you know, what do you say? Already, like, you know, it's not, it's not, you know, uh, you don't get the words, huh? Yeah, it's, it's not really fresh. It's already like, you know, kind of, you know, not spoiled. I mean, not, yeah, still kind of, yeah. It's not really crunch anymore. A crunch, that's the word I was looking for. And so, so I would like chastise my sister. Hey, sister, you should do better next time. How come you cannot even make ramen right? Man, that night, Lord was rebuking me. Son, if you're going to treat your sister that way, your marriage is ruined. You need to repent. You need to be thankful. You need to be appreciative. 
And then another scene came to me was the way I treated my brother. I would come home from school, and he would be already sleeping in his bed. I would wake him up. I got so mad because he didn't spread my bed and sleep. I'm an older brother, oldest in the family. How dare he go to sleep without, you know, that was kind of a unhealthy thinking that I had. And I would wake him up, and he was a nice guy. He was grudgingly, you know, get up, and he would spread my bed while he was sleeping. I don't know how he did that. And then, guess what? I would just lie down and fall asleep in peace without thinking anything. And that night, Holy Spirit tells me that you're a sinner. You're not sensitive to the needs of your brother. You don't treat your brother that way. Man, that night I repented my sin. I was crying before the Lord. Lord, I, I'm, I'm going to never do that again. I'm going to thank my sister whenever she makes ramen for me, Lord. Uh, to make the wrong story short, at the end of the week, we were able to read the entire Bible. The body was able to find tranquility. Then I came to realize that man shall not live by bread alone, <laughs> but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. And then at the end of that fasting, we broke the fast by eating oranges and by eating kimchi soup. Man, 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 man. I was given like this much of a portion. I was drinking little by little, like almost like a communion. It was like, wow. But then I could not wait to get back home because I had to make up with my sister and brother. I remember being on a bus that was stopped every, every town. It was stopped. But whenever it stops, I would hear the birds literally singing. In Korean, birds don't sing. In Korean, birds crying. <laughs> but first time in my life, I hear birds really singing. It's like, wow, this is amazing. This is a new day. And so as soon as I came home, I could not wait to see my brother and sister. So as soon as I got home, I looked pale, of course. And then I brought my sister and brother next to me. And then I said, you know what, brother and sister, I have some... Comp Up to that point, I never said I was sorry. But, but on that day, I brought my brother and sister. You know what, I have a confession to make. And when I said that, my sister and brother looked at me and said, brother and brother, you have, been with, you have been without food for too long. <laughs> and you don't think straight. <laughs> Why don't you eat first? No, 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 no. No, I'm, I'm straight. I'm, I'm clear. And I said to my sisters, I'm so sorry for the way I treated you. I'm so sorry for the way I treated you, my brother. Of course, after that experience, I had many, many moments of this awakening through the Holy Spirit. But there was nothing like being touched by the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Amen? And I felt as though the Spirit came and then came and consumed all the bitter roots in my brain. And of course, it's not a one-time experience. It's an ongoing experience. Spirit come, and the Spirit leads us to the cross. That's what happens. Spirit, Holy Spirit led me to the cross. 
literally led me to cross and allowed me to realize that I'm a sinner before God. I'm a broken man. I am weak and I am needing God's salvation 100%. Whenever the Holy Spirit comes, Holy Spirit leads us to the cross. Whenever the Holy Spirit leads us to a cross, we, we come to an experience where He continues to increase, we continue to decrease. It is a sign of humility. humility. When the Spirit comes and brings transformation in our lives, we become humble so much so that we are, we are being teachable and we're coachable. We're able to hear other people saying and then we're understanding things. We're not defensive or offensive. We're not operating our lives from the point of uh, you know, lack of self, but we'll be able to embrace things, even the things that are very, very intimate and vulnerable we will have that courage to embrace things. Let's read this passage together. Shall we read this together? When the Spirit of God takes possession of the heart, it transforms the life. Simple thoughts are put away. Evil deeds are renounced. Love, humility, and peace takes the place of anger, envy, and strife. Joy takes the place of sadness, and the countenance reflects the light of heaven. The blessing comes when by faith the soul surrenders itself to God. You know, my wife supported me through my doctorate program, and I asked her why. She said, you know what, the more I support you to study, to get acquainted with God, you become changed, and I get the benefit of it. <laughs> I know that I'm still a broken man in many ways. There are many things that I need to learn and grow, but I wouldn't be where I am now if it were not for the regenerating power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. There are many, many moments in my life where I would read the Bible, I would study God's Word, I would study psychology, I would study and study, and then I'd come to a place, my wife would come up to me, and my, my kids, when they were little, they would come up to me because I would go like, oh, now I get it! Dad, Dad, why are you persecuting yourself? Because when you gain that understanding in a way that nothing else could teach you, then you have this light bulb coming from top to bottom, from inside out. And you know what? When the light bulb of the Holy Spirit hits you, it hits you in a way that your, your, your brain is on fire, your brain comes alive, it's like a July the 4th, like it's sparking again, you're getting things again. You're making sense, amen? I have all the scriptures there, so you can take a look at it, since time is running out. Now you come to realize that as you're born again, He becomes your Father, Father of the fatherless. Amen? Though you may have been fatherless, but He's your Father. Everlasting Father, nursing mother, midwife, one who gives birth, mother hen. It's amazing. It's all imagery of birth. He's actually giving you birth from above. Amen? And then this is amazing. I want to tell you this, and then one more stop. This is amazing. This is amazing in that no matter how much we feel abandoned or rejected by our parents. I remember talking to this one lady who's, who came to me for counseling, and she was in her 30s. She went through horrendous deals in her life where her mother died. A mother actually 
didn't die, but her mother ran away. She doesn't know all the detail, but she would continue to have this nightmare of a mother kind of looking lady coming up in her dream, wearing white Korean traditional dress, and then she would carry her around the rice field, and then rice field can be very, you know, you know, very like wetty and then you know muddy and all that. And then she would just like a drop her right there, and then she would take off. She would have this nightmare for the past thirty some years. She came to me for counseling, and then I came to realize that that mother, whom she never met in memory. I mean, the lady who, who dropped her was her mother. And so I came to a day when I had to confront her. This is the hardest part in counseling. You have to confront somebody with the truth. And I knowing how difficult it would be for her to embrace this part of healing process. And I said, you know what? If I say this, you're going to get mad at me. If I say this, you may throw things at me. If I say this, you may never want to see me anymore. If I say this, you may think that, you know, I am not really, you know, on her side. So I prepared her all well. She became more and more interested. Just tell me, just tell me, I'm ready. And I said, dear lady, even though you've been molested and all that you had to endure, all kinds of abuse and all that, and thinking that it's your mother who just dejected you and rejected you and abandoned you without knowing the whole story. I want to tell you that you need to forgive your mom. As soon as I uttered the word forgiveness, she got so mad, like the way I imagined, and she just like ran out. It's like, how dare you tell me to forgive my mother? She's the one who dejected me, rejected me, made my life miserable. She ran out, and she ran so fast. I was trying to follow after her. Man, when a woman is mad and run away, she runs really fast. She was already got, she already, by the time I got out of the parking lot, she was in the car ready to leave. And only thing I could do, I said, you know what? Forgiveness is not something you can do on your own. God is the only one who can give you the gift of forgiveness. And ever since then, she didn't even call me for all, over a month. And my kids and I, we were sitting and we were praying for her. One day. This woman had called me. And at this time, her voice has totally changed. Before, her voice was like so down, and you can tell she's very depressed. But she, when she called me, I would still remember, Pastor Hong! <laughs> I, I didn't know I'm, that, I, I'm leaving that high up. <laughs> <laughs> Pastor Hong! And she doesn't fit it on. I said, okay, Mrs. So-and-so! I did the same thing. She said, last night, for the first time in my life, the burden has been uplifted. Lord has taken that spirit of bitterness in my heart, and I was able to forgive the mom whom I never met in my memory. The reason why she came to counseling was because one day she had this little girl that she just had. She was finding herself choking her neck 
I said, there's something wrong with me. And she came to counseling. She came to realize that she has been harboring resentment and anger and bitterness to a point where it just grew out of proportion, where it became explosive. She couldn't even control. I mean, hurting your own daughter. But until when she learned this amazing, amazing truth of the Bible, things didn't change. But when she learned this, she began to change. Let's take a look at this. Oh Lord, Psalm 139, really powerful passage. Let's read that together. Okay, shall we read that together? I know time is almost up. Let's read that together. Oh Lord, you have searched me and know me. You know when I sit, when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You are familiar with all my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, you know it completely, O oh Lord. Man, God is so intimate. He knows our thoughts and mind before I utterly, He knows it. Amen? How many would like your husband to be that way? How many would like your, your wife to be that way? You know? How many? Yeah, yeah. God is so intimately involved in our lives. And then let's continue. You hem me in behind and before. You have laid your hand upon me. This is literal. This is not symbolic. You see, you know how God created Adam with his own hands, right? He didn't say, let there be man, even though he could have done that. He didn't do that. He formed the man with his own hand. Just like that, he come into the place of inception and conception. He's the one starting to, starting to form you and me. Think about that. Continue. Wonderful. Such knowledge. Let's continue. Such knowledge is what? Too wonderful for me. Too lofty me for me to attain. And then, where can I go from your spirit? Where can I go from your presence? If I go up to the heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there... Your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. Do you think he's there in Michigan too? Remote place of Michigan? Downstairs, upstairs? Wherever we may be? This is amazing. For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. Mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully, wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. Let's read it all together. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. Amen? How precious to me are your thoughts, O God. How vast is the sum of them. Were I to count them, they would outnumber the grains of sand. When I awake, I'm still with you. 
Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me, know my anxious thought. See if there is any offensive way in me. Lead me in the way of everlasting. While Satan makes us to believe and think that like that girl, that mother ditched me, mother abandoned me, and I'm not on one, I'm not wanted, and I was never supposed, I was never, I was never supposed to be born, and all that's going on. The truth of the matter, against Satan's lies and distortion, truth of the matter is that. And not only Jesus was there as the creator, he is the one who formed you in mother's womb. He has visited you. Amen. And he has stayed with you forever, never ever left you. He followed you from mother's womb all the days of your life until now. That's why since all of us have been visited by God, so first visitor was Jesus. Since all of us were visited by God, since all of us were visited by Jesus, we miss that visit. We want that visit. And the Spirit comes, allow us to be in His presence. And when Christ, when Holy Spirit brings His presence, He brings His presence in such a way that it creates the kind of bonding that nothing else can. It creates a sense of healing and restoration in a way that nothing else can. This is the truth. I want to end with this note. Do you know who we are at the core of who I am? One time, you know, my wife got really sick, and so I had to pay attention to her sickness. So the more I tried to do ministry, the more I, you know, I didn't do it right. I didn't do it, you know, a balanced way. I didn't do it in a way that brings healing and brings rest and all that. I was going 100 miles an hour. My personality is like, I have so much energy. God has given me so much energy. I can go 100 miles an hour. And then my wife followed me, chased after me. And then later on, like her love will turn into hate and all that. So we love and hate relationship, which I didn't understand. But I could still go 100 miles an hour. Since I'm getting older, it helps me. My energy level went down a little bit. And so what happened was that my wife got sick and then she was just very, very, very basically exhausted. She's the kind of woman who knows how to take care of others, other people in an expense of not being able to take care of herself. Funny thing was, it was not funny. Crazy thing was, are you ready for this? I married my wife who was exactly like my mom. So don't hate your mom because you're going to end up being, no, just kidding. <laughs> but anyway, my mom was found in my wife, and my wife was the same like my mom. And she was just giving and giving and giving, and I was like, like getting more out of it, more out of it. Never allowing her to be replenished. And so I stopped ministry because ministry begins with home, right? Without my wife, I can't. So I have to minister to my wife. So I stop everything. I told the church that I'm, I'm taking a break. And then Monday came along. I had to get up. And as I was trying to get up, first time in my life, I became somewhat depressed. 
It's like, why do I need to get out? I don't know. I don't know what to do with my life anymore. Because I had been a pastor, and my father was a pastor, my brother is a pastor, my sister married a pastor. That's the only thing I know. What do I do next? And I, I was like, like losing purpose, losing focus. And then I remember the words that I would say to the depressed people. I would tell them that, you know what, if you don't feel like getting up, grind your teeth and get up. And as I was trying to do that, something dawned on me. Something dawned on me. That is that even though it is like peeling off the onion skin, I'm no longer a pastor, I'm no longer a husband, I'm no longer you know, anything, I'm no longer a cousin, no longer an uncle. When, 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 when God started to peel off everything, everything, and then finally I reached to the core, and then guess what I found at the core? At the core I found, even though I no longer pass, even though I no longer any of those titles or positions that I used to enjoy and be identified with, and I came to realize that at the core, even though I felt like I lost everything, but at the core, there's something that no one and nothing could take away unless you give it away. It is that I was still a son and child of God. Amen. Child of God. That's what you have at the core. No matter what people say, no matter how you may feel in your limbic system, no matter what, what kind of story that you grew up with, what kind of lies that you believe in, and whatnot, no matter what Satan says about your origin, your beginning, despite of all that, at the core, you are. There is a mark of God that you are created by God, you are the child of God. Amen? No one and nothing can take that away from you. And I'm going to end with this note. At the core, you and I are intimately connected with God in such a way that at the core, we are positioned in Christ while we were a slave to sin. Slave to self, God has rescued us to a place where we become heirs of God, you know, receive inheritance of God. We become a child of God. We become sons of God in that that's what's securing us, nothing else. Not the way my wife treats me, not the way my husband treats me, not the way I achieve and accomplish. What secures you is the security that God has given us through Jesus Christ that you and I are Child, children of God, as his sons and daughters, that's where we find our ultimate security. And I, let me ask you, and let me finish with this appeal. Are we acting like one? Are we acting like sons and daughters of God in order to be accepted? Or are we acting like one because we already became as one? Are we acting like one to be accepted? Or are we acting like one because God has given us the gift of sonship by giving us the new birth in Christ, allowing us to be born again from above? We become a child and heir of God in that nothing, no matter what happened in your life, nothing and no one can take that core of self that God has given us through Christ. Amen? Amen. 
oh, when I discovered that, it just thrilled my soul. I came to realize, oh, yeah, that's true. I'm a child of God. Nothing has changed. Nothing has changed. And tomorrow we're going to study more about this. Therefore, I want to end with this scripture. Therefore, strengthen your feeble arms and weak knees. Make level paths for your feet so that the lame may not be disabled, but rather healed. We may fall down from time to time. We may have breakdowns in our lives. Do you know where we have the where we experience breakthrough? Do you know where we experience breakthrough in our lives? In the place of breakdown. That's the place of breakthrough. May God help us so that we may experience what God desired for us to experience. So today we only cover the half of it. <laughs> and then I don't know how I'm going to do tomorrow. Uh, tomorrow, actually, I'm supposed to talk about depression from my own experience, from my own you know, empirical experience with people. I'm supposed to talk about anger, so I have those charts with me. So tomorrow, I'm going to have to like, you know, talk about everything the way I can. Uh, but you know, if not, then we'll find some other times to do it. Um, you know, thank you for your interest, and thank you for your love for God, your passion for learning and growth. It each, and every, each and every one of you inspired me so much this time. And I'm walking away from this place realizing that, wow, I got to go back and pray more, study more, and dig in and discover more uh, to, to bless these amazing, amazing people who come to Michigan camp meeting. Amen? Amen. Amen. Yeah, so that's the, that's the trouble I'm in, but uh, tomorrow... Uh, we'll do the best we can, okay? And then I'm just wondering, I don't know. I'm just wondering, I'm just wondering, throw this out to you. I'm just wondering if, uh, if uh, some of you are willing to come earlier. I don't know, your, your lunch schedule and all that. I'm willing. If you're willing to, because there is no way I can finish all of that. So if I want to do justice to the message, I have one more message that I need to share to complete this whole you know, thing. And then I need to talk about the issue of anger and depression, which is a very, very important topic. I'm not an expert. I'm not a medical doctor. But I'm looking at it from the Bible, you know, biblical perspective. So if you're interested, I don't know. Maybe, maybe we can meet at 1 o'clock? 1 o'clock? <laughs> I don't, I don't want to torture you guys, you know? And so, so let's do this, let's do this, um, because, you know, it may do disservice for those who can only come at 2 o'clock, so I don't know, I don't know how to do this. Pardon? 1.30? Okay, 1 o'clock? Okay, how many of you can come at 1 o'clock? Oh, wow. Okay, how many of you can come at 1.30? Or how many of you are not going to come? Just kidding. Uh, <laughs> Okay, so, so tomorrow, let's do this then, if it's okay to you. I mean, it's a land of democracy, right? So uh, let's do this, I'm suggesting. Uh, let's do it from 1 o'clock, um, and then for those who miss it, I don't know if I'm going to talk to these people to tape me from 1 o'clock. So have another tape from 1 to 2, and then 2 to 3.30, 3.15, and that way... Uh, I can cover um, 
you know, quite a bit, if it's possible. Start at 1 o'clock, uh -huh. and at 2 o'clock, uh -huh. 10-minute review, uh -huh. and then continue. Oh, 10 minutes. You see just how people are detailed in that way? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Since my wife is not here, I need help. Yeah, okay. <laughs> From another gentleman. That's good. Yeah. So is that okay for us to start at 1 o'clock? Is that okay for those who cannot be here at 1 o'clock? It should be okay. Uh, but we'll try to tape everything, okay? I'm going to talk to people. Let's pray. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, these are precious, precious children of yours whom you have Touch them from the beginning of their inception and conception in mother's womb. Lord, they have inspired me in a way that nothing else can. I pray that our journey onward will be the journey of healing and restoration. In that, despite of the fact that we've been wounded, we will, you will use it to heal the whole nation, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. May you begin in us to bring that new birth from above in every moment of our lives, so that our lives would be a one of transformation from above. We bless your name for blessing us. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 This media was brought to you by Audioverse a website dedicated to spreading God's Word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.